Hello everyone, Dr. Anna Kabeca here today on our Couch Talk podcast where we really get deep into key topics, shamelessly, guiltlessly, to work with and inspire women and their families to be healthier. And I'm really super excited today to have Katie from Wellness Mama. Katie, I've been on her blog, watching her stuff, watching her evolve for years now. I want to introduce her to you because we are going to talk about the top three things that she does that have made her life easier and family healthier that she wishes all moms would do. So I petitioned her on this to really dig in and talk to this. She's had over a million followers on um, Facebook and her blog, her blog and website is called Wellness Mama. She is a wife and mom of six, as well as an award-winning blogger, author, podcaster, and real food crusader. So her mission with wellnessmama.com is to provide simple answers for healthier families through practical tips, real food recipes, natural beauty and cleaning tutorials, as well as natural remedies and more. As a mom of six, Katie has developed systems and tips for living a wellness lifestyle with a family and on a budget, and she was recently named by Greatest.com as one of the 100 most influential people in health and wellness, along with Dr. Oz, Dr. Marcola, Food Babe, and Tim Ferriss. So this is just super huge honor to have Katie with us and awesome. You'll see today what a real person she is, how awesome she is, and how she's really developed these practical keys. And also just want to find out, especially as we're busier, et cetera, what are the key things that we really all need to be doing that she's found to make a huge impact in her life? So Katie, welcome today and thanks for being with me. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here as well. I've followed your work for years also and love the, the information you're putting out into the world and all the thousands of people you've helped. So it's an honor truly to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's dig right in. Well, first, just give a little bit about your background and, and what brought you to this, this point. What, because it's a lot of work being, you know, imagine having a family of six, right? And everything that goes on with that and yet inspired you to share these messages with the world. Yeah, I feel like, um, and you probably see this too, but I joke that people go into a field to, to some degree to try to help themselves. And you hear it the most with psychiatry, like the joke in friends of mine who have gone through like the graduate degree program for psychiatry is that everybody goes into it to fix themselves. They just may or may not know that they're doing that yet. Um, and I feel like that was my journey for health. I, when I had my first son, I knew something was wrong. Um, could not find my own answers. I was I went through multiple doctors before I finally found a doctor who was able to diagnose me with Hashimoto's. And I went through all these years of like basically doctors telling me I was crazy or it was all in my head and nothing was wrong because they were just testing a couple hormones and not looking at antibodies and not looking at the whole panel. And um, at the same time, my husband had a background in technology. And so he, and we kind of lived in a rural area. And so he was like, you need to start a blog and share this just to connect with other moms because there's got to be people going through this and you guys could help each other. And my background was in journalism and nutrition. So the kind of the writing was a perfect fit and I loved it. Um, so it was really just me sharing my journey. And the part that's really struck me and stayed with me for these 10 years that I've done it now are that like truly there are a lot of moms that struggle with so many of these same things and even the ones who hopefully um, don't have any health problems at all like we're all in this motherhood thing together and like no it's never easy for anyone and I think 
moms can use resources in that area because it is a stressful thing sometimes to be a mother and it's it, the very least it's busy. Um, there's, it's a very just busy life. And so my goal is to just, um, as I've developed systems in my own life that keep my stress level down and keep my household running smoothly and keep my kids healthy is to share the like cliff notes version with other moms so that they don't have to have the same learning curve I did because it's been a long road for me to finally figure out my own health answers and figure out how to like have all the systems to keep my house organized and then to always have good food on the table and it didn't happen overnight so my goal is I hope I can help shorten the learning curve for some other moms. I think you definitely are. I love your videos. I love your tips. I love your practical information that you give, plus the amazing people you bring to your podcast and the information they're able to share in just such concise, huge ways. It's always an inspiration. And I think what you said, uh, you know, the stressful mom life, you know, let's, let's not gloss over that a second, you know, because there's the illusion of what a stay-at-home mom's life is like versus what a stay-at-home mom's is like in reality, right? And so I think it's really interesting when I you know, first moved here to where I live now in St. Simons Island, Georgia, I was, you know, full-time OBGYN working, you know, easily 80 hours a week and on call and all that and yet dropping my kid off to Montessori school and and trying to juggle her between me and her dad to get to dance and, and those aspects and really um, it was I mean that alone that's hard you know and then now being a single mom for the last um, seven years it is tremendously hard. So, you know, I retired my practice to do what I, I always told moms to do. You will never regret the time you choose to spend home with your child. You will never regret that time. And I am really happy to say that I absolutely can endorse that from personal experience at this time in my life. It took me a while, but I'm really happy to do that. But it is challenging. There are challenges, that idea of what we're feeding them, how we're nourishing them, who they're interacting with. And just from the moment of, I was, from the moment of that positive pregnancy test, there's fear that you may never have realized ever could possibly exist. There's that fear aspect that, um, that you juggle with too. So, so let's talk about the home life. Like, and, and then now incorporating um, working at home, which has its own challenges. Um, how do you juggle working at home with six kids? It's definitely a balancing act. I think what you said is so key too. Like even stay-at-home moms, there's all the jokes about them staying home and eating bonbons. No matter what a mom does, I have respect for moms in every walk of life because whether you are a quote stay-at-home mom or a working mom, every mom is working so much. And there's so many like daily things that we're juggling. And I've even had the conversation with my husband, like even when we have like amazing supportive husbands and partners who are doing stuff, I feel like the moms still have the emotional burden of like the logistics. So like he's great about like pitching and doing anything around the house, but I'm still the one like, okay, I have to cook dinner. The kids have this, like the mom is the brain center of the house. And so my thing has been like in order to run smoothly and mainly just so that I don't have crazy stress, I had to figure out systems where I didn't have to stress about something until it was that thing's time to happen. So in other words, like our life operates on a schedule. So like laundry happens at a certain time, meals happen at a certain time, cleaning happens at a certain time. And so when it's not Friday morning, I don't think about the laundry because that's not laundry's time to be dealt with. And so that like takes all those, I feel like that can be one of the biggest stressors of motherhood is that whole like, okay, there's all these things. And it truly is. You may have like 40 things on your to-do list and you're trying to remember them all in your head. And oh, they don't wait, I, I just totally want your schedule. 
Tell me that laundry <laughs> happens on a schedule versus piles till it gets overwhelming. And then you're like, I got to do laundry. Is yeah. there a world that exists like that? <laughs> <laughs> there is. So um, that actually wasn't going to be one of my tips, but I'll totally share it. So what we do is, um, one of my, well, actually one of the things I was going to say is we have a very strict rule that we don't do things for our kids that they're capable of doing themselves, unless it's a bonding activity, because that's obviously different. And we're just, if we're hanging out, I like, that's fine. But I'm saying as far as like normal day-to-day life, once they can tie their shoes, they tie their shoes. And once they can wipe their bottoms, they wipe their bottoms. And that applies to once they can do their own laundry, they do their own laundry. And once they can clean the bathroom, they clean a bathroom because we're very big on like, we're all in this family thing together. And this is not just that you guys are like hotel guests in the hotel with mom and dad. This is all of us are together on a mission. And so like we involve them actually in, in learning about the business as well. Um, raising them as entrepreneurs is a big goal for us as well. So they understand that like mom and dad don't just have a job. We have missions that we're trying to like really help people. And they have, they're like working towards their own goals when it comes to entrepreneurship. So because of that, we really like spread out the burden. And so like I do end up still cooking most of the meals and a lot of the, like those type of activities, but they do their own laundry and they help around the house a ton. So that's one of the things I would tell moms is don't be afraid to pass things off to your kids that they're capable of doing. Because for one, they should have the honor of contributing to the household because they live there and it makes them feel big. That's what we've noticed. Like they feel like they're grown up when they can do grown up things. And so don't be afraid to let them be involved. So that was going to be one of the three I was going to talk about is just our, our plan of we don't do things for them if they're able to do it themselves. We'll do it with them, but not for them. I think that is huge. That is that is such a huge and good point is that they're not at the mom and dad hotel. I, I think that that's a great quote. <laughs> because um, that's so true. And sometimes, you know, especially when you're so busy, and you're working at home, or, you know, you just feel like, okay, these are the things that a mom has to do for their child and just say, okay, no, that child is capable of doing that. This needs to be their responsibility. So they get it done. Ooh, I just can see the hard line being when there's no school uniforms <laughs> clean. Okay, wake up early. You got to get that dirty, smelly, squirrely uniform and just holding that line. I'm looking forward to that. To that, yeah. I'm definitely doing that now. I will wash dishes. I'm so happy to do that. There's a surgeon in me. Love hot water on my hands. But three. <laughs> Those, that is a nemesis for me. So I am adopting this tip right away. So it makes me so excited to hear tip number two, Katie. <laughs> well, and it, just a follow up on that. If you have multiple kids, like one thing we've noticed that helps a ton, um, they each have, so our kids are groups of twos in their bedrooms and they each have a laundry basket in their bedroom. And so their laundry only ever goes from their room to get washed, dried, back in their laundry basket, back in their room. So there's no sorting. And I feel like sorting the laundry can be the worst part when you end up like with a basket of everybody's clothes. So that was another tip is just like keep them in their own silos and then they don't have to cross over and no one's ever sorting and there's never like six baskets of laundry on my couch. Um, so yeah, that's been a huge help for us. That sounds great. Yes. And then they just will fold it and put it away and they're responsible for that. They do that. How old was that? that you know, Ava's nine years old. Surely she's able to do that now. <laughs> Yeah, ours pretty much from age five on up, they can do it. And they like, we have a stool. They like, I put a picture next to the washing machine of which buttons they're supposed to push. And they like have a little scoop to measure out the soap and they know what they're doing. And then they fold it. And there's a great, um, because we read the life-changing magic of tidying up book. There's a great course on Udemy um, that's 
you could, I think sometimes get it like on a big sale, but it's her teaching a course on tidying and like finding joy by having a clean environment. But she like teaches her method of folding things. And so that's been helpful for the kids because kids are so visual. And so that way it's not like me harping on them. Like you must fold your clothes, but it's like someone who's an expert saying, look, this is the most efficient way to like to fold clothes to save time. And when it becomes their responsibility and their mental burden instead of mine, then they're like, oh yeah, that's great. Then I can go play faster because I'm done folding clothes. So it lets them take ownership for that part of their life. And I think that's a huge key because then it's not me harping on them. And if they don't have clean clothes, that was their responsibility. And life's a great teacher. Um, mm -hmm. Like we yeah. tell them all the time because like whenever a kid says, life, it's not fair. I'm like, congratulations. You just figured out part of grown up life. Like life isn't fair and that's okay. And when you're, when you're given a hard situation, you work with that and that's awesome. Um, but just like those little things, it's like not, because I think it, it, as an early mom, it was so easy to be like, oh no, like that wasn't fair. This kid got more, this kid had to do more chores, whatever. And now I'm like, wait a second, like I have to do more stuff around the house than my husband some days and he has to do more work stuff than me some days and that's life. Like why am I protect, protecting them from this? Um, and the same with failure of if they have only dirty clothes, like that was their responsibility. And that's a really minor thing in the grand scheme of things. And hopefully it teaches them a little bit of responsibility that then they don't have to learn that lesson in a major thing in college or something like that. So that's our hope is we like, we joke that we kind of nurture um, and give them opportunities to fail and to feel unfairness because that's part of being a grown up. And it would be kind of cruel if we just threw them out into the world and we're like, Oh, by the way, PS life's not fair. And like threw them yeah. out to the world as adults. Oh, that is so key. That's really good. Those home lessons. Tell me about the book you mentioned, Life-Changing Magic of... Of Tidying Up. Of Tidying Up. You know, that sounds, that sounds so ideal. It sounds like a Christmas gift. You're doing that. No, um, the, but that sounds good. And I think that's really absolutely right. Life's not fair. And, and one thing that I recognize now having children from age 29 to nine, right? So four girls ages 29 to nine, especially now with two in college, um, is just, you know, those early lessons, like early on, you know, I would say what I call my oldest child was practice, right? <laughs> so you were practice, you know, learning that, okay, you know, you let them fail at this. The science fair project's not done. It's midnight. Sorry. And at that point, you know, and those were good lessons because now they're really independent young adults where they're away from me. And I can, I, I see where those skills were developed in certain ways. Others, not so much. I think the laundry is an issue for all of them, but that is stopping with this one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No, I think it's, and you have older children, so you can speak to it much more than I can. Um, but to that note, like the second thing I was going to mention a lot, I know that the food battle is a real struggle for a lot of moms. And I know that you and I are very much on the same page as far as choosing really nutrient dense foods and wanting to keep what goes into our family's mouths very clean and real food. Um, and that was one of those, like, even after I like, had done the research on the nutrition and was completely on that wavelength myself, it was, how do I get my family on board with this? Because it's one thing, like, as, like, we kind of have this mentality of, I, if I cook the food, that is what there is to eat. And you, I'm not going to force it down your throat, certainly ever, but I'm also not a short order cook. So I'm not making you a sandwich because you don't like what I cooked. Um, so that kind of like, set the stage for it, but at the same time I was realizing like they're not loving it. They'll eat these things, but they're I don't think they're internalizing why these foods are healthy and why we eat like this. And so the other thing that has greatly simplified my life is just having the same type of systems for the house and for laundry as I like and having that in the kitchen for meal planning and for the kids being involved. And that was when I really saw the light bulb moments happen with them. 
and them take ownership for it. And that's when I would see them start making really good decisions at other people's house or at birthday parties without me telling them to is when they internalized it. And especially the older, I'd say three or three, definitely maybe older four now. So that's six and up pretty much always choose the way I would actually want them to choose, but I don't tell them to choose that when they're out other places because they understand it. So I think that's like a three part thing for me. It's um, education with them, meal planning, and then them getting involved so a couple resources um, you can share, like there's a lot of meal planning softwares and I have some blog posts on that you're welcome to link to. Um, there's also a meal planning software called Real Plans that's been really helpful to me just because it's on my phone. Um, so that's been awesome. But the kids are involved with every phase of that. So in our homeschool, we talk about food and how it benefits your body in different ways. And I've given them like the foundational aspects of food, which if you don't homeschool, just throw those things in when you're cooking or when you're buying food, just give them little, because kids actually pick up, I think a lot more than we think they do. Um, especially and husbands too. I joke my husband about that because he had, um, he had hernia surgery and I tell him all this stuff too. And I'm like, I don't think he's listening at all. Like the kids for sure. But he's like all work and doesn't care about the health side. He'll eat whatever I feed him. And he was coming out from being under for surgery and they bring him Sprite and saltine crackers. And he like is still groggy. So this is like not him thinking this is just coming from him. And he starts going, why are you giving me this junk? Don't you know that creates inflammation? And I'm like, you listened to Listened. Me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So the same with the kids though. I think that like, just like anything in life and just like teaching them other life skills, it has to be something they take ownership for. And at the end of the day, we don't want them to eat vegetables because we forced them to eat vegetables. We want them to eat vegetables because they learn to love vegetables because that's what makes it a healthy habit. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So give an example of, of that teaching them to internalize these foundational foods and the fundamentals of good nutrition. Yeah. So like we'll learn the basic building blocks and we'll go from like nutrients and amino acids and understanding the chemical structure of food into like, how does that then taste and how you can create different flavors in food? Cause I get really geeky on the science side. Um, there's a book called ingredient, um, which is about like the science of food. And that was a really fun one to go through with them because then it was like, Oh, and so like when I, cook this and like the Brussels sprouts get browned. It's this reaction happening. And they're like, Oh, that's really cool. Um, but they are involved with the shopping, with the meal planning and with the cooking. And I've for sure found if a kid cooks a food, they're actually way more willing to try it sometimes than I am. Cause some of the creations they come up with, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a bite of this, but Oh wow. Um, and they're like, this is great. Cause they made it. I love it. You know, I'll give an example because one morning, um, I think it was Mother's Day or whatever, a special occasion, but Ava made me breakfast for bed. And so she had made eggs. She cooked on the stove, made eggs and um, scrambled them and, and some other things with it. And But she put lemon juice in the eggs. And I was like, scrambled eggs with lemon juice? I'm like, oh, this is, it was delicious. Oh my gosh, that is now a ingredient for our eggs is um, lemon juice. And I think that's so exciting too, because you never know what they're coming up with. Just that sense of intuitive cooking chemistry comes into play to be able to nurture that versus, you know, some other things she made with Nutella and oatmeal. And it does sound really good now though. <laughs> But yeah, so I think that's, that's a fantastic um, point. It's just really getting them invested in 
appreciating their meals and their foods and how they make it. So what's a favorite dish that your children have come up with? They're really good at like stir fries and adapting stir fries. Um, so that tends to be their go-to. They'll just start pulling things out of the fridge and a random stir fry will result. That kind of is there. But they also know a lot of like grain-free pancake recipes and that kind of stuff. So it's fun to see the things that they come up with for sure. Um, there's a course also, an online course called Kids Cook Real Food. And that one, it's great. She's a teacher um, and a more patient teacher than I am, I think. And she teaches them like how to use a knife properly and how do you like all the actual fundamentals of cooking. And so that's been fun for them because then they can feel like they're like an actual chef and they totally get into it. Um, I love it. I love it. So um, I have to admit that my, one of my favorite shows and the kids loved too growing up was just Rachel Ray's cooking shows because she made everything so easy and fun and practical. So I like this. Cook, kids cook real food. So thanks for that referral tip. That's another thing just for our audience. I mean, with Katie's blogs and her website, so many practical tips, great resources. I mean, she's vetted them out. So if she mentions them, she really highly believes in them. So I just want to thank you for that, Katie, and just let our listeners know that uh, wellnessmama.com is a fantastic resource. All right. So getting, so number tip number two, you would say was getting your family on board with eating the right food and mm -hmm. invested in it. Yeah. And I think like, like I said, meal planning is a huge key part of that as far as just, cause that takes the back to the mental stress part. If you know what's going to be cooked when you don't have to have that moment of like, Oh no, it's 4 PM. Like I have to like, cause there's all those mom jokes of like, I fed them four hours ago. Why are they hungry again? But like, we can actually predict that kids are going to be hungry, like pretty much all the time. And they're going to want to eat like pretty much every meal time. But if you already have that plan in place, you don't have to have the at least mental stress of like, Oh no, what am I going to cook? And everything's frozen. And then that would always be when I was more likely to want to like go out somewhere or just make like the cheap convenience food that even if you made a healthy version, it really wasn't that healthy. Um, so that to me, that's like been the biggest budget saver and time saver too, because then you just have all the ingredients and there's no stress about it. And if you have kids who are willing to help in the kitchen, you can pass off a recipe to them and they can make dinner, which is awesome. That sounds awesome. Okay. So this meal, meal planning concept, help me visualize what that looks like. <laughs> So is it like a calendar? Is it a chart? I mean, how do you organize around meal planning? Because you're absolutely right. It is, you know, throw, you know, what's in the fridge, let's throw it into a stir fry, right? And that did get me through college and med school for sure. But, um, you know, how do you organize around that? Yeah, so there's a ton of online systems now that are amazing. But when we were just doing it at home without any kind of online tracking, what the kids still prefer because it's so tangible for them. I would get um, three by five note cards and I would write the recipe and the instructions on one side. Um, and then on the back, I would just write the ingredients the like the amount of the ingredients in like shopping list format. So then the kids could go through and just pull recipes out of the box. We would like lay them in order for the week, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then they would help me. We would just flip them over and like write the shopping list. And then those can get like with magnets put on the fridge. So then whenever it's that meal's time, the kids can just pull the card, make the food and stick it back on the fridge after and that way it was like very tangible for them. They could see and they would also be like, sweet, we're having like whatever their favorite food was on Friday, like stuffed sweet potatoes. So they could like look forward to the fun stuff. Um, but that just made it a lot easier because then too, if I was like in a business mode or on a podcast or something and it was 3 p.m., I could be like, hey, can you start this? And they would go start with the, or the dinner part. So that was the easiest system. And with kids, I still do that system quite a bit. So even if I'm like planning it on my phone, I'll put the cards on the fridge so they can take it around with it. Great. And which, which meal planning app do you use on the phone as well? There's one called Real Plans. 
Oh, um, yeah, you told me that. Okay. Yeah, and I think if they go to um, wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash meals, that they can actually get my recipes in there if they want them. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. But Real Plans has been great just because the app part makes it so simple. But definitely having the visual because I know we've got artists in our family and that visual makes a huge difference in explaining things and, and um, making it real and easy and understood. So wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash meals to get the real plan um, food guide and yes. plan software. Perfect. That sounds great. All right. I'm ready for tip number three. Awesome. So um, the overarching concept of this one is that we don't stack the odds against them. Um, but the actual practical step is that them being outside any day that it's not raining is not just like a huge thing for them developmentally, but it's an, a requirement at our house that they're outside. Um, it's great because our neighborhood's very active. There's tons of kids. So it's not like I have to like cajole them into going outside. Um, but we realized early on, like if you give a child sugar and dyes and all these processed foods, we know those affect the brain now. There's like some really solid research on this. And so if you give a child all these like mind altering foods and then expect them to behave, it's going to be a really uphill battle for them. Um, but also we know all these benefits of just being outside, like the vitamin D and like touching the earth and all the benefits of just spending time in nature and the clean air and all that. So we consider that like a vitamin and it's a daily requirement and they have to go outside. So to me, that's the whole, like, don't stack the odds against them. Don't expect them to behave, but then give it things that make it difficult for them to behave. Um, and so that's a big one. And just that alone, I noticed the biggest difference on the days when they just, like, run and run and run and run. Because, A, they're way more hungry. So they're more likely to eat whatever food I put in front of them and think that whatever it is is amazing, even if it's just really basic. Um, they're also getting all of those benefits of being outside. It's free. Because that's the thing as a mom. I'm like, yeah, we could spend like thousands of dollars on all these crazy things that you can do to stay healthy, but go outside. Like if you're not doing that, don't spend money on anything else expensive. So you get that part dialed in because it's totally free. And statistically, like the sunlight's going to help your circadian rhythm. So if they're outside and then they're out there and it's like getting dark, their body's getting all these cues of like creating mel melatonin and like, oh, I'm going to sleep tonight. And so I'm like, this is the, these are the things that improve sleep and improve their appetite and improve their physical activity. And like all of those factors make my life so much easier. So that's why it sounds like a super simple tip, but like daily time outside is our like top priority with the kids because it makes a drastic night and day difference with them. And for us, that's meant we've like dialed way back on the activities and the after school stuff. Cause our thing is to some degree, like play is the work of children. And they're learning like all these interpersonal dynamics and how to work through things with other friends and all that. And so we don't want to take that away from them by giving them like every single day they have a structured activity. So they certainly still do have music and they have things that they're in, but most afternoons they're just barefoot outside running as much as possible. And I feel like that is like truly one of the best gifts if it's possible to give them is because that is the work of children. I love that. That play is the work of children. I, I couldn't agree more. I think getting outside, we get a lot more than vitamin D from the sun. And, and like you said, that um, resetting the circadian rhythm and kind of giving in those natural cues that we've developed to optimize our life over 10,000s of years. And that that's so important. Plus, you know, just being barefoot in nature and exposed to all different things that we're intended to be exposed to and really helping support the immune system and bit by bit by bit. So I, 
I couldn't agree more. Now, what about, like you said, um, less structure, more play. So is there an activity that you definitely like, okay, we're doing this every day or there, you know, more, you're more inclined to encourage than another for any reason? They love any of the games that are like, there's like a hundred variations of them now that I've had to learn, but there's like the tag and then infection, which is like reverse tag where, so one person's it. And when you start tagging the other people, then they're all it. So eventually you have like all the people chasing one person. Um, but all these games, it's just like nonstop running. And when I go out and play with them, I'm like, oh man, like you guys run hard and you guys are fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anything like that, I find like they actually do the best when I don't interfere. It's like very much kind of like, all the, those movies like the Sandlot and the Little Rascals where they're like learning all their interpersonal dynamics by doing it. Um, and even if it's like climbing trees or just like going through the woods and like climbing trees, most adults can't even do that anymore. But you want to talk about an amazing workout that involves a whole body. Climbing trees is about as close as you can get. I agree. I agree. That's, and now you're in a safe neighborhood. What about like, you know, in the fears of, um, you know, fears of children being safe in neighborhoods. Is there any guidance recommendation you have for that? This is a tough thing. And it's something we've talked through quite a bit because on the one hand, statistically, it's safer now than it was when our parents were younger. Um, But there's a whole lot more fear. And actually, I worry less about something actually happening to my children outside than I do like someone reporting the fact that my kids are playing without like an adult tethered to them and like CPS coming because it's so unusual in our neighborhood, thankfully, it's very common and kids are just outside. Um, but we've lived in places where that was not the case. And it really makes me sad for kids because I, I wish I could just grant all kids the ability to have a safe environment to just run. Um, yes. I think in those moments, you have to be more intentional of and what we would, we would do at that time was driving to parks or places that were safe, but that, where we could still then just kind of keep a, like an eye on them and let them go. Because I think like, you mentioned like wanting them to be independent and your daughter is developing independence. And I think there's a very strong psychological thing there where they have to actually be able to like be a little bit afraid and test the like boundaries of that and be like a little farther away from you for a minute than they thought they could, you know, when they're little to feel that independence because we can't give them independence. They have to take it. And so I think like those, it's harder because you have to be a lot more intentional, but maybe there could be like meetup groups. Maybe moms could organize together so like a couple times a week, they all just meet up at a safe park and like let the kids run as a pack or something. But it is hard. I wish, like I said, I wish I could just grant every child a safe, safe neighborhood overnight. I know. I know that's true. And then just to alleviate the fear, because I think if you think of statistics, it is safer, but you don't want to be that one, right? And, um, and that there's the reality to that too. So but creating that type of um, dynamic for me, one of the things like if my kids are going to someone's house, you know, in the neighborhood, you can't see them get there. But it's okay, call me when you get there type thing, call me when you're leaving type thing. And so just little things like that. It's like, okay, I'm not gonna, hey, I'm not gonna walk you over there, you know, especially when she was smaller. Now she's nine. But, you know, I'm not gonna walk you over there. But just let me know that you got there. And there's that kind of um, still there's that uncertainty okay I haven't heard from her what's going on and just trying to leave you and I have a PTSD survive right so I have that high fear right? oh absolutely yeah and that makes it it makes it worse so kind of trying to live within that yet nurturing this independence is um is certainly one of my challenges so I appreciate appreciate those recommendations too and I think for other 
moms listening too, when you have children and even um, our listeners with grandchildren and you're looking at nurturing that independence is, is giving them that ability yet with those boundaries of, of safety, they've got that um, liberty, right? You've loosened the umbilical cord, so to speak, but yet there's a check back and a check in type of, of safety net for our sanity, probably more, more yeah. so than theirs. And I think also just reframing it. And I think if enough of us as parents start to like give them a little more freedom, maybe we can see some societal changes over time. Because when you look at the fact that like in Japan, in large cities, for instance, the majority of six-year-olds ride the subway to, to school by themselves. And here, the majority of college students don't know how to work an iron or change a tire. Like, I'm like we need to kind of maybe like reframe these things and give these kids a little bit more independence and responsibility and like not be afraid to not do things for them because I think it's a, there's a cultural element. And I think whatever the reason, like the last couple of generations of American parents, we have a whole lot of fear surrounding parenting and like things happening to our kids. And maybe it's just that we hear all the bad things now because of the media. And so like, it doesn't seem like it's such a small statistical thing. It seems like, no, like obviously 40% of children must get abducted for as many times as I hear about this on the news. Like, and our brains are trained as parents to be wired to like protect and to watch. And so we're getting so many inputs there. And so I think maybe that's a key is like cutting down on like as much as possible, the negative inputs, but also like if enough of us can do it and make it a little more normal, um, that also makes more parents out there, but just like keeping a, a distant eye more of like that without the helicoptering, but still like a supervision. And if yeah. there's of us, there's like a safety there in numbers. Right. Plus recreating a safe community. Cause often, especially when you're entrepreneurial, you're working at home, there's that isolation effect. So really going beyond that to really build a nurturing community it takes a village to raise a child. So sometimes it is up to us to create that village if we don't have one that we're stepping into. So I definitely encourage that. I think of my family in the Middle East and, and, you know, there's, um, they have basically an apartment building, essentially, that's the family, right? So the kids are constantly running, playing, they're together. And there's that village that over thousands of thousands and thousands of year old culture, right? So over thousands, thousands of years, a cultural experience said, okay, with all of modern, you know, benefits, we are staying in this traditional model because our children do better. They learn better. They, you know, are all professional, creative, independent, yet in a huge, you know, the importance of family and community and keeping that area tight. And here, you know, I have a brother in California, a brother in Pennsylvania, we're so spread out. So we sometimes find ourselves in need of recreating that village, whether it's the, you know, with children, the class, or it's your neighbors or that community. And um, I think that's really exciting. My daughter, Amira, so somehow this got seated, but this year coming home from college, her first year, um, in college, so first year Christmas home from college, and she made cookies for all the neighbors. She goes, Mom, I just feel like we really need to connect with everyone again. And so she made Christmas cookies and put them in the mailboxes of all our neighbors. So 50 in our neighborhood, there's 50 houses. So she did that on her own, just feeling that need. So I think our, our children need that need for community too, and that kind of creating that safety net. If you don't know me, you don't care about me. But if you know me, you care about me. So I was really happy that Amira did that oxytocin nurturing activity that um, really just warmed my heart because I've at a stage of, you know, I've got so much going on with business, home, juggling. I didn't think of it. Yeah. So much. That's awesome. And I think too, like what you said about building a village is an amazing key because 
we don't like it used to be you grew up in a neighborhood where your parents and your aunts and uncles and everybody was there and you just had this community and now we don't but we know like look at every study we need that like not just emotionally like if you don't want to die early you need to have a community and your kids need to have a community and I think sometimes that means you just have to be unconventional like my husband's been out of town for about a week and a half and he's still going to be gone for a few more days so like last night I was hitting that like I need to talk to a grown-up because I have only talked to children for a very long time and so I think you have to create those village opportunities for yourself I just invited a ton of moms and was like I know you guys all have kids bring your kids it's fine like so there was like 20 kids in our house and like six moms and just kids everywhere and it was awesome. And we got like two hours to have grown-up conversation and the kids played Legos and it was just awesome. But I think you have to sometimes think a little bit unconventionally because, you know, that's not what you would normally do on a school night or, you know, things like everybody has their, their routines. But I think you also have to be able to break the routine once in a while and, you know, take a mental health night. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. So Katie, in closing, gosh, and you've given us tremendous tips today and I've, I've taken three pages of notes because I'm like, okay, got to get this, you know. Um, I love, I'm just going to tackle the laundry thing. I think that is, I'm going to get three laundry baskets. I'm just super excited about this. So we, the college bringing home laundry thing is going to shift too. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so thank you. I want to thank you for sharing this. And I know you've spent years, 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 decades learning these tips and that you share them generously. And, and just in closing, what, are, what would you like um, to say to our moms that are listening, moms and dads that are listening? I would say that the key at the end of the day is I think we underestimate our power. And I think that parents have not only an amazing ability, but probably we're the only ones who have this ability to change the future of health. And we obviously all want a better future for our kids and we want our kids to grow up healthy. And I don't think we realize like we collectively have the power to do that because we control a large percentage of the food budget in the, in the country and we make the buying decisions. But more importantly, we're raising the next generation day to day. And I think if we can just, and I know it's hard because life is so stressful, but if we can just be slightly more intentional on a day-to-day -day basis of how we're doing that and giving them skills and helping them understand, I think long-term, those little tiny drops are going to create a huge tidal wave that will totally change society. And I 100% believe that. And that's why I write so much at Wellness Mama and why I love other moms, because I think we do have that amazing ability. And I think if we kind of stepped into our power there, we would see huge changes and, and more so than even us. If we teach our kids to step into their power there and raise a whole generation of world changers, like watch out, things will change overnight. Mm, yes, I'm into that. Thank you so much. And, and for our listeners, please visit Wellness Mama and remember her website, wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash meals. I race you there to get that tip. So <laughs> and I have, um, like you, I have a podcast, the Healthy Moms podcast, which I've had you as a guest and it's an awesome episode. So they can find that one as well and like hear your wisdom too. I love it. And I love her podcast too, because she just really gets real with the people and that she's interviewing. And I've heard pearls and tips that I hadn't heard from people that are interviewed elsewhere as well. So you have a great interview style. I want to thank you for sharing this. And for our listeners today, just please comment below. Um, any questions, any comments, share this on your social media and let people know about Katie at Wellness Mama. And I look forward to our next podcast. And Katie, thank you so much for being on our show. And thank you for all you do in this world. God bless you. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Thank you.